forward to God's Word today. You ready for God's Word? Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this privilege we have of opening up this amazing book called the Bible. Lord, we don't approach the ministry of your Word, the reading of your Word with familiarity, with being casual. Lord, this is an honor. This is a joy. This is a privilege to read the forever settled Word of God. Father, thank you that you loved us so much you wrote a book about yourself so we wouldn't be intimidated, we wouldn't feel inferior, we wouldn't feel unworthy, but that we would understand a loving, good God that cares about every detail of our lives. So thank you for ministering your Word with clarity and accuracy today so we can immediately apply it to our lives. We'll be so careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise because you're the only one that's worthy of it all. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Today, I want to continue um, a, a thought, a message that I actually did five weeks ago called the God of the Impossible. And I felt like we weren't done with that. And it was a great part one. And uh, if you haven't heard part one, I would encourage you to get online, go to the media section. All the messages there are archived. And uh, in part one, I talked about the miracle of the dead bones in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10, coming alive, and what that meant. Um, and I was so excited about what God did in that service. Both services, the word of the Lord rose up in my heart, and I began to prophesy about what God desires to do in your life and here at IFC. And I thought it was so significant. I would like to take a couple minutes and for you to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord said to us again. So just take a moment and watch this, please. and live. And I speak over you today. And I speak over you that are here in this room and you that are watching online. In the name of Jesus, that your dry place will become alive. Your dry place will open up. Your dry place. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say to me, I hear this in my heart again today in this second service. Yes, you said it's been bad. And you're right. It has been bad, says the Lord. But now it's time to come alive. Yes, you have been in a dry place, and now it's time to be refreshed by my spirit, says the Lord. Yes, you've been in a difficult, depressed place, but now it's time to, to be revived and step up and live again. It's time now, in Jesus' name, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, it's time now to put the COVID wilderness season behind you. It's a new day now. It's a new day to come alive. You've come through the fire, and it's time now, says the Lord, to have a victory shout. For yes, there are some things that have been dead, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to life. But then there are some other things that are dead that need to stay dead, says the Lord. Let them go and leave them be and put your trust in me, says the Lord, that I am your creator, and I am the one that can bring new life, a new dream, a new purpose, a new career, a new love of your life. Because I am the one, says the Lord, who desires to crown your year with a bountiful harvest. That even the low places, even the dark places, even the dry places, to come alive with abundance, to come alive with new life. And now is the time, says the Lord, to know that my hand is upon you. That as you hunger and thirst after me, I will fill you like you've never been filled before, says the Lord. It's time for you, says God, to rise up and be the mighty army. And I speak breath over you says the Lord, the breath of my presence 
presence, the breath of my refreshing. I speak breath over you in Jesus' name, that you will come alive, that your bones will come back together again. You've been disjointed in fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And now it's time, church, to be the army that God raised you up to be, to be the army and be full of breath and be full of life for much needs to take place by now to the end of the year, says the Lord. I want to move by my spirit. I want to flow by my spirit. It's time for you to understand seasons change and seasons come and go. And now it's a new season of something fresh. Breathe deep, says God. Breathe deep and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might in Jesus' name. Come on, praise him today. Amen. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. We praise you again, Father. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I, I share that because I believe that it's so significant and it really, several things in there that I believe the Lord really spoke clearly about your life, about our life as a family, our life as a church. My goal over the next two weeks in continuing this series is I want you to be well acquainted with the God who specializes in the impossible. Amen. You need to understand, God knows how to handle your impossible situations. God is a God of the breakthrough. God is a God of the impossible. Oftentimes, because we've believed God for something that seemingly seems so impossible in our lives, and for whatever reason, it didn't turn out like we wanted or whatever the case may be, and, and we no longer believe that he is the God of the impossible. If anybody should believe that we serve a God of the impossible, it should be the church. It should be us right here in this room watching online today. We need to be acquainted with the fact that we serve a God of the impossible. I want you to get that back in your vocabulary. I want you to get that back in your prayer time. I want you to get that back in your time of sharing and talking with others who are believing God for things in their life, that we do believe in a God of the impossible. He is a God of the impossible. I've learned years ago, if I'll just do the possible, He'll do the impossible. He never asked me or asked you to do the impossible, right? We, that's not who we are. It's impossible for us to do the impossible. But we can do the possible. You're showing up today. That's the possible. You came to church today, right? You gave of your tithes or your offerings or, or, or whatever the case may be. There are certain things that you can do that are possible and we'll stand by and watch God do the impossible. Let's talk about this today. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. But with God, all things are possible. Say that last part with me. But with God, all things are possible. Every day we got choices to make, especially those of you that are believing God, those of you that are standing, those of you that are experiencing um, a lot of uh, pain in your body or, or emotional pain in your family or whatever the case may be, we have choices to make every day when we face these circumstances. Are we with man or are we with God? Amen. I determine I'm with God. Amen. And you need to declare that. I'm with God. With man, it's impossible. With man, that diagnosis, with man, that financial situation, that family dynamic, whatever it might be, with man, it may be indeed impossible. But I'm not with man. I'm with God. 
And when you see yourself with God, it changes your perspective. When you see yourself with God and, and, and knowing that this God is a God that, that knows how to do exactly what needs to be done in your life, amen. Let's define some terms so we're all on the same page today as we build today. Miracle. Uh, the Webster's uh, Dictionary says this about miracle, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Many of us need divine intervention today. Many of us need, many of you need a divine intervention in the midst of all your human activity. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, we need an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. How about the word breakthrough? Any significant development that removes a barrier to progress. Got any barriers in your life? Got any barriers to the progress in your family, your business, your health, whatever it might be? Barriers that seemingly stand in the way and impede your progress? How about an act of removing any obstruction or restriction? My Lord, there are awesome, many times, many um, obstacles and many restrictions in our lives. We serve a God who desires to bring a miracle in your life, who desires to bring breakthrough in every area of your life. Question, how many here today can say, I've experienced some divine intervention in my life. I've experienced some breakthrough in my life. Let me see your hands. All over the place. Of course you have. We all have experienced um, breakthroughs and divine intervention in our life. And how many would say then, Pastor, I need a breakthrough in my life today. I need some miracles in my life. Let me see your hand today. Yeah, just as many hands. Right, so, so we understand. We're all in the same boat today. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your ethnicity is. I don't care what your education is. I don't care where you live or, or whatever the case may be. What binds us together uh, as, as, as a body and a family is the fact that we all need to experience this God of the impossible. Amen. And that unites us, no matter how different we might be in our language, in our perspective, in, in, in our experience. This is what unites us. This is what makes us a body. This is what makes us one, knowing that each of us can relate to that today. Which leads us to our big takeaway for today. And here it is. You can never make God move in your life. You can't force God to move in your life. Listen to what you can do. But you can make room for him to move in your life. There's a difference, isn't there? You can never make God move in your life, but you can make room, amen, in your life for him to move on your behalf. Oftentimes, it's difficult to make room in your life because there is no room. You've allowed the pain of the past, you've allowed circumstances, you've allowed people, you've allowed feelings, you've allowed hurts, rejections, shame, you've allowed guilt, you've allowed circumstances, you've allowed people to take a place inside of you that is so overwhelming and you've allowed that and that has disconnected us. That has caused us to doubt that God is a God of the breakthrough. I talk to so many good people who claim to be believers and they wonder, is he really a God of the impossible? Can he really do it? 
He's never done it before. It seems like I'm not sure. You know, I've done all these things. I've knocked on these doors. I've been kind. I've been good. We think that we, we earn it by our activity. We earn it by our works. And, and we wonder sometimes, does he, will he really do it? And we've allowed everything in our lives to crowd our heart, to crowd our soul. And, and because of that, we've disconnected ourselves from what God desires to do. I know many people, and, and I would imagine that the great majority of you today in the room and watching us online, you believe God is able to do the impossible. How many believe he's able? Oh yeah, of course he is. But I promise you, if I would ask for a raise of hands, not only is he able, but will he do it for me? Less hands would go up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I got this stuff that I do, and I'm, I'm not consistent, and I, I don't really know if God loves me. I know it sounds good, and people tell me that, but, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the past. You don't know situations in my life. You don't know what happened. And usually it's things that not, didn't happen yesterday. They're things that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Things that have happened a long time ago in our lives, and we wonder, I don't know, I don't even think I qualify. Man, I'm barely in here, and I'm here because it makes me feel good, or I'm here because my wife makes me, or I'm here because my parents make me come, whatever the case may be. But you, you understand something? You, it, it, you need to know how to make room for your miracle. There is biblical precedent that I want to give you four examples today. Four simple, practical examples of how desperate situations happened and somebody made room for God. Somebody made room for him. And so when you make room for God and you open up your heart and you say, Lord, I, I, I can't hold on to all these other things that are clouding my mind and my soul and, are, and are, have, have, I'm overcrowded on the inside. You gotta let go of some things so God can put some new things in your hand today. Got to let go of some things in your heart so God can fill that heart with better things. Got to let go of some things, that those dark thoughts and those, those attitudes and, and mindsets that stand in the way of God. We, we're blaming God for not coming through for us, and God's trying to point to you and say, well, if you'll just open up your heart, if you'll just let go, if you'll just forgive, if you'll just love, if you'll just do something different, I can do something different in your life. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with people. It's what I do. I sat down with people over and over again that are so angry at God and they're blaming God for things that God is never the blame for. But it's convenient to blame God. It's convenient to point our finger at God. It's convenient to do that. It's easy to do this than it's hard to do this. When's the last time you did this? You've got to use some different muscles to do this. It's easy to do that, Right? But when you do that, there's all these other fingers pointing right back at you, yeah, right? And it's usually us that stand in the way of, the, of this miraculous power. It's not God. Jesus said he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit down? Because he was tired? No, he sat down because it was finished. It was finished. He wasn't finished, but the work that he did on the cross was finished. Everything you need for your breakthrough, guess what? Jesus has already done. He's already done. And we're trying to earn something he's already given us freely. That's another subject. But let me tell you, there's a lot of truth and power in that today. 
The Bible gives us these clear examples of how to make room for divine intervention, how to make room, uh, how to target our faith, how to set our expectation in God. Let me give you four examples. I'm gonna read four uh, passages of scriptures right in a row. So listen very carefully here in 2 Kings verse uh, chapter 4, 8 and 9. It's on the screen. Um, these scriptures come alive, and these, this first one is probably one of my favorite. Uh, one day Elisha passed through Shunem, and a noble uh, woman was there who urged him to eat a meal. So whenever he passed through, he stopped there to eat a meal. She must have been a good cook. And she said to her husband, I know that he is a holy man of God, regularly passing through near us. Let us make a little walled upper room and put for him there a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. So when he comes to us, he can stay there. What a great example, a practical example. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Look at this example. Then there came to, to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, his name was Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he didn't care what they were saying. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then in this next scripture, Luke 19, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, God cares about short people. <laughs> he could not see over the crowd. So what did he do? He ran ahead and climbed in a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Then in Mark chapter six, our last one, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the midst of the lake. Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. What amazing practical examples today. I'm gonna talk about each one of them briefly, but two important observations of what I just read that, need, that I need to bring to your attention. Number one, breakthroughs seldom come without a battle. Breakthroughs seldom come without a battle. Why would you need a breakthrough if there wasn't something stopping you from breaking through, right? If you're in a battle today, Man, you, that's a divine setup for your breakthrough. If you're going through a worse time of your life, whether mentally, emotionally, physically, I mean, all hell seems to be breaking loose against you, breakthroughs come with battles. We can't ignore it. We're in a battle. We're living in the last days. Jesus told us that there are many battles that we would face. So with breakthroughs come battles. In fact, the first time the word breakthrough really was used was a military term, to, to signify an offensive thrust past the defensive lines in warfare. So in warfare, 
And oftentimes we are either in the middle of warfare, we're on the end of one, about to start a new one. Whatever the case, we are somewhere in the middle of a battle today. And I would, I would say that all of us in this room, if not the great majority of us, are dealing with some kind of battle. And notice the second observation. Notice that in each of these stories, the power of God was passing by. The power of God was passing by. What does that mean? Well, a good example of this is years ago, I had the privilege of spending time with Oral Roberts um, in his home in Southern California. It was at a season of his life where he wasn't traveling anymore. He was older. And, and by invitation, uh, they would invite pastors, ministers to come and spend some time with him in his home. I had the privilege of doing so. There was either, either four to six or eight people. It was never bigger than that. And each time was pretty amazing. And this one time that I sat down with him, that we were there together, probably four of us at that time, he began to talk to us about miracles. And here's what he said about miracles. He said, miracles are coming towards you or past you every day. Isn't that interesting? Expect a miracle so then when the Lord sends it to you, you will recognize it and reach out and receive it. The miracle will come, but if you're not expecting it, it will pass you by. And you will wonder why God is not visiting you in your time of need and trouble. You put yourself in position for your miracle by expecting a miracle and by expecting a new one every day. God blesses expectant people. Wow, isn't that good? God blesses expectant people. I thought, what an interesting thought. I never thought about that, that miracles are coming our way every day. See, God wants to perform a miracle in your life more than you want a miracle yourself. God wants to move on your behalf. That shows us how much God loves you. God is always wanting to break through for you. God is always wanting to answer your prayer. God is always wanting to help you in your business and to give you the right strategy and how to love your husband and how to love your wife and how to love those children and how to deal with situations in your family and your life. Absolutely, he's always wanting to come through for you. You need to believe that. And many of us have stopped believing that. We've stopped believing that he actually wants to move on my behalf. We've stopped believing that he actually wants to do that. I love how my wife puts it. Our expectation is God's invitation. Isn't that good? You should write that one down. God's expectation is God's invitation. Now think about these stories today. The Shunammite woman recognized Elisha. Elisha, next to Jesus, Elisha had the most miracles in the Bible. Elisha, who regularly passed by, she knew he was a man of God, actually made a room for him, saw an opportunity, seized it, spent money, built what was necessary. She made room for the miraculous. The blind Bartimaeus heard Jesus passing by. Obviously, he must have heard something about him being a miracle worker. Obviously, maybe he heard from others who were blind that got their sight. Something encouraged him to say, I need to cry out to him. So he cried out once, not once, but twice. And, and they told him to be quiet. You know, when you're ready for your miracle, when you're hungry for your miracle, you don't care what other people are saying about you. You don't care they think you're crazy. They don't think you're crazy by going to church every Sunday 
by being a tither or an offering giver. They don't, you don't care, right? You, you, you don't, that's the last thing on your mind. I could care less what you think about me. I, I'm believing God. I don't care how you might judge me or what you might think about my life or, or who I am. You know what? He didn't care. He didn't care what other people thought about him. Saw an opportunity. He seized it. He made room for his miracle. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming. Again, uh, he obviously heard something good to make time. A, a wealthy man, yes, hated by his own people because he ripped them off with their taxes, but so much so he climbed a tree. Who climbs a tree? He climbed a tree. He wouldn't let his physical limitations stop him. Saw an opportunity, seized it. He made room for his miracle. The disciples were doing everything they, they knew how to do not to die in that storm. Not to die in that storm. Amen. But nothing was working. Jesus shows up. And notice what the Bible says. I thought, how rude of him to say it this way. He was intending to walk right by them. What? Seriously? His own disciples? They're in trouble? They could die in this storm and he intended to walk right by them? I mean, what was he really going to let them die? Absolutely not. Think about who's in that boat, right? The New Testament wouldn't have been written without the people in that boat. So he was not going to let them die. He was giving them hope. He would hope that they would see an opportunity and seize it. And guess what? They did. And even in their overwhelming fear, they cried out, and they made room for their miracle. So you see how this is working today? You see the pattern? And this is a biblical pattern. In each example, that divine intervention took place. Blind Bartimaeus got the attention of Jesus, cried out to him, causing him to stop and stand still and ask, what do you want me to do for you? Now, wasn't it obvious He's blind. Typically, biblical historians tell us that oftentimes, depending on the region, that, that, that lepers dress differently, a certain color, and blind people, blind individuals, had a certain color that they wore. Yes, it was obvious he's begging. Yes, he's obvious. Maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't have the stick, but, but it's obvious. And he asks him, what do you want from me? And what does that mean? That means this. The obvious doesn't obligate God to move. The obvious doesn't obligate God to move. You think God knows you're in trouble? Yes or no? You think God knows you need a financial miracle? Yes or no? You think God knows you need healing in your body? Yes or no? You think God knows that your marriage is in trouble? Yes or no? You think God knows that there's an issue in your life and, and these dark thoughts in your head? You think God knows the things that we go through? Yes or no? But just because he knows that doesn't mean he's going to do anything about it. Why? Because he needs you to use your faith. Faith moves God, not need. Faith moves God. Expectation moves the hand of God. Expectation is that invitation. Amen. Expectation. You asking him. You believing him. You releasing your faith. You putting your trust in him. That moves God. Amen. If need moved God, we'd all be need free. But obviously need does not move him. He understood. Now, 
To you and me, it might be obvious. It's, he's a blind man he wants to see. Maybe he's comfortable being blind. Maybe he likes people waiting on him. Maybe he likes the fact that, that people, that he needs people. Maybe he was hungry. All he wanted was some money to buy food. Maybe he didn't have a place to stay and he wanted a house to live in or he had one in some place. Maybe he was lonely. He wanted a friend. How, how do we know unless he says what he needs? And how do we know, how does God know what you need until you ask him for what you need? Until you make a demand on what you need. Amen. So Jesus didn't assume he wanted healing. He asked him, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? And blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. And guess what? He made room for God and he got his health, his healing. Amen. When Jesus asks you, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? How will you answer? He's asking that to you today. What do you want from me? What do you need me to do for you? You need to be specific. You need to ask in faith. You don't need to beg. You don't need to, to, to whine about it. You don't need all the drama about it. Amen. See, Zacchaeus, a hated tax collector, cheated his own people, noticed by Jesus. Jesus said, come down from that tree. I'm coming to your house for dinner. Man, it enraged the religious people. They couldn't believe it. Why would Jesus sit down with this lion cheat of a man and, and have dinner with him? Why? Because he made room for Jesus and his life and his family was totally changed and transformed. Zacchaeus did what? He, he gave and he um, gave four times as much to the people he ripped off and he gave half his money away. I would think his life was transformed by that one meeting with Jesus. Amen, amen. If you'll make room for Jesus, guess what? He'll go home with you today too. He'll go home with you today too. There's no reason for you to go home the same way you walked in here today. There's no reason for you to go home alone. There's no reason for you to go home depressed. No reason for you to go home sick. There's no reason for you to go home overwhelmed and, and bound. There's no reason for you to go home limping and, 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 and full of drama and full of hurt and pain and, and all that. There's no reason to go home. Go home with Jesus today. Go home with your healer today. Go home with your savior today. Go home with the one who loves you today. The one who sent his only son to die for you today. That's how much he loves you. Don't go home by yourself. Don't go home and wallow in your hurt and in your, in your pain. Man, go home and knowing that he whom the son sets free is in free indeed today. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says that Jesus was alone on land. He saw his disciples were in serious trouble rowing hard, struggling against the wind and the waves. And I, I read that one day, and this thought rose up in my heart. Just because you can't see Jesus because of the storm doesn't mean that Jesus can't see you. He sees you today. He hears you today. Isn't it good to know? Isn't it frustrating to be with friends or people that say they love you, but they don't get you? Right? They don't get you. They don't understand you. They, don't under, they, they, they can't say, I hear you and mean it. I see that. I, 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 I hear your heart's cry. 
So just because we can't see Jesus because of our own battle and our heads might be down and we're overwhelmed and maybe we're flat on our back and we fell out and, and we've, we've really failed in many ways, doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't see you in your situation today. You ne you're never in a valley too deep that Jesus can't see you and pull you up today. You're never in a battle so great that Jesus can't see you and bring victory into your life today. Hallelujah. When Jesus came walking on the water and the disciples finally recognized he wasn't a ghost, he was actually Jesus out there trying to help him. And he told them, don't be afraid, have courage. I'm here. He climbed in their boat and the storm stopped. They made room for Jesus. Finally, in our last case, the Shunammite woman, she's cooking Elisha's favorite food. Man, and through her generous hospitality, the man of God wants to bless her. That's normal. I want to bless you. How can I help you? What do you need? Oh, I'm good. My, my family takes good care of me. You know, she's a noble woman, so she obviously has some money and some means. I'm good. I'm, all my needs are met. No, no, really. What can I do for you? I'm good. He goes to Jesus. The, the, Elisha goes to her servant and says, tell me something about her. There's got to be something she needs. And the servant said, yes, she's without a child. She can't have a child. And she wants a child and her husband's old. All right, bring her back in. She stands in the doorway of what she built for this man of God and says to her, this time next year, you will have your son. You'll be holding your child. He prophesied to her. But it's interesting to me that with the good news that he gave her, you'll read the story, this is how she answers. She responds, oh man of God, don't mess with me. Don't give me, don't get my hopes up. What an odd response to good news. Wouldn't you think, man, she'd be jumping and leaping and shouting, finally, you know, no. Why? What happened? Why would she respond that way? Because obviously she's been hurt before. Obviously, she's trusted God before and nothing happened. Maybe they were miscarriages. Maybe there was just such pain. The, the, the pain of rejection of not being able to have a child in that day. She wasn't the woman like other women who could have children. She felt shame. She felt like she was less than and so forth. And, and, and her pain made her answer that way. Don't mess with me, man of God. Don't tell me something that's not going to come to pass. So she know the story. When you know the story... She has the baby. She's holding this promised child. This child grows up. He's out in the field with his father. He grabs his head and is in excruciating pain. She, the dad brings him to his mom. Mom holds the child and her promised child dies in her arms. What does she do? Blame God, shake an angry fist. You know what she does? She won't be denied. She takes her child and takes him where? To the room she built. Yep, right. Puts him in the bed that the prophet of God sleeps in. Laid him on that bed. We know there's a parts that she did, but the end result was what? That son was raised from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. She made room for him. Let me tell you something. She made room when everything was great. Yep. Yes, amen. Amen. That's right. 
She made room when everything was wonderful. She had no expectation of how her life would twist and turn and that some bad situation might happen in her future. She didn't think about that, but she made room when everything was wonderful. Let me tell you something. Don't make room only when times get tough. Don't make room for God. Don't cry out to God only when you're in trouble. Don't be a crisis Christian. Don't sit in the front row when everything is bad and then find yourself in the back row when everything's wonderful. Nothing against the front row and nothing against the back row, okay? It's just an illustration. Don't throw stones, all right? Don't be so touchy. See, I confess healing scriptures when I'm healthy. I confess my prosperity scriptures when all my bills are paid. Come on, somebody. I declare the truth of God's word over my life, not just when I'm in trouble. Now, thank God we can do that when we are in trouble, but, the, but make room for God when things are well. Make room for God when things are good. Make room for God when it's the ground floor of that brand new business, when it's the ground floor of that brand new family, when your children are young and they haven't grown up yet or situations or your marriage or whatever. She didn't know the unexpected would come, but the unexpected came and guess what? She was prepared for the unexpected. Why? Because she made room. This is good preaching today. Hallelujah. In each of these stories, Jesus standing in the middle of a multitude and everybody around him needed him. But one got their healing that day or that moment. What made, a, made him notice a man up in a tree of all things? What made him climb in a boat in the middle of a threatening storm? I believe it was desperation. It was hunger. It was a strong desire. It was faith. It was raw honesty. It was, it was desperation. We got to get to that place where we say, you know what? I, I've tried all these other things and I should have maybe went to God first and I tried everything in the natural. I went with man, um, but I need to be with God. And it was because they made that choice. See, the question today is this. And, and it's a simple question. It's an obvious answer, but I'm still going to ask it. Is Jesus here today? What has the Bible said? When two or three are gathered, what happens? He's in the midst of us. Absolutely. So the real question needs to be asked. Will Jesus being here do you any good? Are you here punching the clock? Are you here out of religious duty? Are you here because, well, you know, there's no place else to go. Are you here because somebody made you come? I mean, what, what, why are you here today? The real question that needs to be asked, will Jesus being here, which we know he is, will it do you any good? He's here. Will you make room for him? Amen. Will you make room for him? You know what you'll get out of this service today? Exactly what your faith reaches out for. That's what you'll get. Amen. I know there are people, uh, well, I'm not even gonna say that. I know and I'm not supposed to say something. I'm glad I didn't say it. All right, good. I believe today's service, listen, can be the start of divine intervention in your life. I believe that. I believe today is your day to make room. What can you do? What can you do? What is it that you need to do? Do you need to forgive somebody? You need to go back and maybe reconnect with an estranged parent 
sibling, friend? Do you need to start giving instead of tipping God? Maybe start tithing? Start giving? Or maybe go back to being the tither that you once were? What is it you need to do? Do you need to go to counseling? Do you need to tell somebody they're loved? Do you need to do something practical in your life today? Start a diet. Not even a diet. A, a, a change of, of your eating habits. Diets don't work. Right? Start exercising. Make an attitude adjustment. Maybe go to step one today. What a perfect time to start to grow track and become a part of a dream team. Wow. Begin to use your gift for God. Maybe by this, this next semester of life groups, lead a group, attend a group. There's always something we can do that's practical. What is the practical thing you can do? What is the simple next step you can do? Maybe you need it. You're way over here what you're believing God for, but you need to make that first step to what it is you're believing God for. That thing that seems so big, what first step can you do today? What can you do? use your faith to do today? Will you make room for him today? What step of faith will you take? Because I believe he wants to move on your behalf. I really believe with all my heart we're entering a season of miracles and breakthroughs. I believe that with all my heart. I believe there is a new season here and I'm looking for some folks that'll believe with me that it is a new season, that it is time for us to, to, to see God move by his spirit. What is it that you can do to make room for your miracle today? Did you get anything out of this message today? Come on, stand to our feet. Why don't you raise those hands towards heaven today? Thank you, Father. Come on, if you can, everybody in the room joining us online, raise those hands towards heaven today. Begin to worship him. Begin to honor him. Oh, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this encouraging word. Thank you, Father God. I, I want to believe that you're a God of the impossible. I want to believe that you're the God of the breakthrough. I want to believe, Father God, that you can come through on my behalf. What adjustments do I need to make? What do I need to get rid of? Who do I need to get out of my heart? What do I need to get out of my heart? So there's room in my heart to make room for breakthroughs and miracles. What's crowding my heart? What's overwhelming my heart? What attitude, what situation, what unforgiveness, what bitterness, what hurt, what pain is crowding my heart? What fear, what anxious anxiety, what concern, what uncertainty is in my heart today that's crowding you out? Oh, Father, that I need to let it go so I can make room for you. Make room for your love. Make room for your divine intervention in my life today. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. We give you praise. Jesus, we need you. Tell him today, you need him today. We need you. You're a miracle worker. Thank you, Jesus.